Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Okay, well, welcome to um, our new series on the book of Leviticus. Season Trace. Season three, if we if we did seasons. If we did seasons. This would be season three. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm really excited about doing this book. Really? I really am. I As I was studying the Torah over the last year for the this Spoken Gospel Project. This is the part of the Project, Bible where everyone stops reading their Bible yearly plans. Oh, yeah. Either this or numbers. <laughs> yeah, like, they they slog through Leviticus. But I did it. And then, oh, wait, and then there's it. more. <laughs> Then they get to a census, and they're like, "I give up." Um, but I, I really kind of fell in love with Leviticus um, while I was studying the Torah as a whole, um, okay. because I learned that Levitic, this book, actually sits in the center of the Torah, not just literarily, like if you it's open like, up the middle, right? But, yeah, but there's thema- two books on yeah, either side, right, and... but thematically, it sits in the middle. And so, in the Hebrew mind, when they were writing, um, you know, for us, we would we would often put the most important thing at the beginning or the end. Right, right, right. right? Yeah. They put it in the middle. Oh, okay. And so, because the whole worldview is a mountaintop for them. And so, you would have a plane on either side, and then it would build up and up and up and up into a peak. Mm. And so, Leviticus is the mountain of the Torah, and the right. peak of that mountain is the Day of Atonement on in 16 Leviticus 16 and 17. Fascinating. And so, uh, so we're yeah. climbing the mountain we of the are. Lord. This today. is the climax of the Torah. And it's and, it, and it's like so so it might feel weird, <laughs> right? Um, we should probably just re- so we've kind of done the books out of order. We went Exodus, then right. Genesis, yep. and then now Leviticus. Now we're going to go kind of in order. Yeah. But the basic story of the Torah so far was that we were in the garden in God's perfect presence in yep. hi- God's house. We fell away from that by deciding that we were smarter than God. But even through that process, Lord, the Lord uh, elected, chose a specific family to bring us back into the Garden of Eden. Yep. And they went through this 400-year period in Egypt in slavery, but God's bringing them out of slavery into God's presence, into the promised land for the first for the first time. And he's building a temple where his presence will live in the middle of his people, just like it did in the Garden of Eden. Right. And so at the end of Exodus, the temple has been built. The tabernacle. The yep. tabernacle has been built. Moses is going in to communicate with the Lord just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, and he can't. He can't get in. He's prevented from going in. And the book of Leviticus opens with a whole bunch of sacrifices, apparently on how he's going to get in, which is actually what happens in the book. Moses actually gets in the tabernacle. And so that's the question ringing in our ears when we turn from the end of Exodus to the beginning of Leviticus, is how can we enter into God's presence? Yeah, how can we be... How can we? Yeah, that's, it. that's you said it already. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what I could have added to that question. That's so good. Besides saying the same thing yeah. again. Um, let me ask this because I think this is really important. Um, why, why, why should we want to live in God's presence? Why should we want to be in God's presence? Like, why is that a good right. to which all this is pointing? Yeah, I hear a lot of people talk about being in God's presence. God's presence. Every. God's presence is everything. Yeah. It's not about the religious rules. It's about being in God's presence. It's about being in his presence. And so sometimes I feel like that's just kind of weird mystical language. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure what they mean by God's presence. 
So, but the question is, why should we want to live in God's presence? Yeah, like why is all of this worth it? Because we're about to talk about so many sacrifices, so many rules, clean and unclean things. We're going to go through so much rigmarole. Why is rigmarole. it? Why, why is all this worth it to be in God's presence? That's my question. Right. Yeah. I mean, so if we were to look at like the rest of the Bible, you know, there's really simple truths. Like uh, I think of Psalm sixteen eleven, right? Yeah. In your presence. is fullness of joy and at and your at right, right hand, hand are pleasures forevermore. That's right. So like, it, do you want full joy? <laughs> do you want pleasure forevermore? Y- right. Y- yeah, sure. Sign me up. Where is that? It's in God's presence. And I'm trying to think too, even through the Torah already, mm-hmm. what is God's presence meant to the people in it? Mm. To Adam and Eve, it meant perfection in one sense or yep. like perfect unity with God. It meant peace. Yep. It meant like ruling and reigning with the Lord and being in proper relationship with each other and the world and with the world. Yep. Um, when we have other characters who come near God's presence or who talk to God, like Joseph, mm-hmm. like mysteries are revealed to him right. uh, in prayer. Moses is given sons and visions of his covenant. So it's like being God's presence throughout the Torah so far has been meant for like promises to be like doubled down on for mm-hmm. us to understand them more fully, to become more appreciative of what God has already done to us yeah. in the past, to have a sense of ruling and reigning and being a right relationship with one another and with God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like like that. those are all good things. Well, and then at the end of Exodus, what do we see too about God's presence? We see Moses kind of being the mouthpiece for what our desires should be. And he says, God, show me your glory. Right. Like he wants to be in God's presence. Right. He wants to see God's presence. And um, it's so good and it's so glorious that in that brief encounter, Moses hits the deck and he's so overwhelmed by it and his face is glowing and no one can handle it. It's like, that's the presence I think we should have in our mind when we turn to Leviticus. And it's like, there's this glory in the tabernacle that the wisest person in the Bible right now is saying, you really got to see this. Right. And in God's presence, too, it's not just all these good things. It's also been terrifying on the Mount Sinai. Right. Right. It's been thunder and fire and cloud and smoke. But in the presence, the Lord speaks directly and reveals his law, reveals the way in which he wants us to live. I would also think that, like, let's think narratively here, that they have been brought out of Egypt by this by this God, right? He's conquered their enemies. He's been he's provided for them through the wilderness, you know, to you know, right. with, with manna and quail and water from a rock and all this stuff. And then he is saying, now you're going to go to this promised land, and there's Canaanites and parasites and parasites. You know, yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I always call the parasites. <laughs> the parasites. But, the parasites. Yeah, I like the parasites. But imagine you're going into this place, and it's going to be really hard. Wouldn't you want that God who conquered your enemies in Egypt to be with you right. when you go into this new place to conquer new enemies? So yeah. it's like, well, it, we, it, we, if we're going to go there, I want this God to stay with us. Mm. And in order to, for him to stay with us, he's going to give us these rules of how to be able to stay in his presence. Yeah. So God's presence is also good because it's protection. Yeah. And, and that's it's power. I mean, it's essentially, and it's his name. I am. Oh, right. I am with you. I am with yes. you. Like his name is an expression of presence. Mm-hmm. And when God came near... Israel. Yeah. He saved them from slavery. Right. He redeemed them from the, the Pharaoh and he provided for them in food and in water. So to be in God's presence is really to be back in Eden, to yeah. be given everything that you need. That's really, right? I've never thought about that as like God's name as the, as the intrinsic, like his, his most intrinsic character that who is God? He is the one who is with us. Yeah, he is who's present. Present, yeah. like the, that. Like you want to know, like who has God revealed Himself to be? 
is the one who is near us, who is with us. And like, there's something about God's nature that he's revealed to us in the Bible that who he is is a God who wants to be near. And so in order to do that, he's giving us Leviticus to say right. like, I really want to be with you. And trust me, you really want to be with me. Right. But there's some things that have to take place first. Right. So, and that's expressed in the fact that the tabernacle is supposed to be the center of the camp. The camp. That's so right. The tabernacle's in the middle of the camp. And what yep. it's supposed to communicate just by the geography mm-hmm. that he wants to be with his people, the center of life with his people. And as Moses goes in, tries to go and he can't. Right. Something else to happen first. Yeah. So the posture of the Bible is that God wants to be with his people. I think a lot of times I come to Leviticus or I've had in mind, it's like God doesn't want to be with his people. Mm. And if you want to be here, you've got to try really hard. you got to pay the some, price. <laughs> yeah. Read some really hard rules right. and do them precisely. Otherwise, you can't come in. Mm. So what we're really saying is not that God is fencing himself from everybody else, right. trying to make sure that people don't come unless it's a really big problem, yeah. which is the way we talk about prayer all the time. Like, mm. well, I don't want to bother God with that. It's just a headache. Oh, I don't want to bother God right. with that because he, he's got more important God things God doesn't to really do. care about my headache. Right. And so I right. think we have this image of God that he's like fencing his mm. presence and his power from us for the big things and for the people who really want to put in the effort. But really the story of the Bible is God has wanted to be in the center with his people all the time, yeah. but we're the ones who are hesitant to draw near to him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We don't want to go to him on the mountain. We want to run away from his presence in the Garden of Eden. Yep. We don't trust that he's actually there when he says, my name is I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like, And then when he shows up, we're like, oh, I wish we were just back somewhere where you aren't. Right. Back in Egypt. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. So then when we open up Leviticus and we're assuming that we want this God to be with us because his presence is good, it's intrinsic to his nature, we want him to conquer our enemies whenever we go from this place, all these reasons... Um, the first thing we read about when we turn into Leviticus is this law about burnt offerings. And so yeah. it's like, it's just weird. So the first th- sacrifice. Sacrifice animals. is the first thing. <laughs> yeah. Killing an animal is like, oh man, Moses can't get in. What are we going to do? Uh, kill an animal. Yeah. That's, yeah. for us, that's totally, it's not the first time we've seen sacrifices nope. in the Bible. Right. So apparently Israel was familiar with sacrifices. They were in Egypt where they were obviously sacrificing their gods. Abraham sacrificed and split open the animals. Cain like, and Abel. Cain and Abel. Like the patriarchs and the people in the Old Testament were familiar with sacrifices. Yep. So, Which I think we should see Cain and Abel in this story where it's like, oh, okay. well, think about it. They, uh, in, in Genesis 3 and 4, they, people were, were kicked, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the land. Right. Right. And they want to get back in. They're at the gate of the Garden of Eden. They have oh, Cain yeah. and Abel. And what do they do? They bring sacrifices to the gate in order in trying to get back into God's presence. Like right. that's what's happening here. Except this. But remember, we talked about when we talked about it in Genesis a while back that we're not told why they were offering sacrifices or who gave them rules for how how right. it was or like why Abel's was good and Cain's was bad. But here in God's grace, we're given how to sacrifice to God in an acceptable fashion. Right. What, was, what, what does God say to Cain? It's like, don't you know mm-hmm. that if you do good, right. you'll be accepted? Yeah. So if we're at the presence of, or right in front of the Garden of Eden, offering sacrifices like Cain and Abel, this is God's rule book or God's guide to say, mm-hmm. here's how you're not like Cain. Here's yeah. how you do here's good. How do good. Here's how you'll be accepted in yeah. my presence. So I think that's really cool. So, um, and, and yeah, so we've, we've seen sacrifice throughout 
but again, throughout like, the, the why animals? So far. Like, yeah. Why does it have to be animals? Yeah, it's uh, it it, it can be kind of strange for people to be like, why are we killing animals all the time? Strange for me. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely strange for me too. I think that um, what we need to see here is that there's something different about an animal sacrifice than any other kind of sacrifice. And even in these opening chapters, we're going to see that it's not only animals that are sacrificed. Right. There's a grain. There's a grain offering and coming salt up. Salt and bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. All that's going to come up. But there is something distinct about a an animal sacrifice. Um, in that only animals share one particular property with us as humans that nothing else in the world does, and that is blood. And blood oh, is a yeah. huge theme in Leviticus, and and the reason why is it's, it's because God says that life is in the blood. So the reason animals are offered is because they share this type of life force right. with us, this blood Yes, that's... Not you, plants don't have plants blood. Plants don't have that. Yep, but animals do. That's right, and and we see that connection to that we have to animals back in the Garden of Eden, um, because we are told that uh, that animals are have this Hebrew word nephesh, which is a soul. Okay. Right. So I'll yeah. see my dog in heaven. Well, we're not going into an <laughs> eternal soul necessarily, but we but we also said that God made man a living nephesh. That we okay. so we have this shared so whatever life it means. quality. Whatever it means, we're not. That's not the scope of this show uh, or but this. There's episode. something shared between animals yes. and humans. That's right. That's in, that's connected enough and important enough that an animal can replace a human. That's or right. Stand in place of a human. Right. In a in a temple and a sacrifice yep that's right okay. and so um the and there's going to be specific sacrifices that only an animal can do for us that a grain offering cannot do like right. we'll get to those like the sin the guilt offerings especially and and the burnt offering and this helps me to think about like okay if the central concern here is life right and a lot of the other purity laws have to do with like bodily fluids and all this kind of stuff. And those are, I think we'll talk about how those are connected with death. Yeah, unclean things are connected with death. And Clean like, things are connected kind of, with life. That can be really confusing about yep. like, well, why is that bodily fluid right. bad? Which we'll get one, there. We'll get yeah. there. But like, so it's all connected actually. Yes. What we're, do- what we're after is the preservation of life. That's right. And a life for a life. Yeah, and I think we can see that um, in, in because what happens when we draw near to God and we are unprotected, you know, because we're we're gonna we're gonna come in. Uh, it's like where is it? Verse four, four right. verses into Leviticus, we're gonna get this word atonement, yeah. which has this, this idea, this this verbal idea of covering, covering well, us up, and like we'll we'll unpack that word here yeah. in just a second. But I want to stay on on the animal thing that it's like we need some kind of covering in order to enter into God's presence, and so we need this representative. Okay, then. Lifeblood. That helps me answer this. So, like okay. we said, like, why God's presence? Yep. It's good. We want it. We should right. be there. It's it's where life is found. The only way to enter into God's life is to have the death in us taken and placed on an animal. Right. And its life given to us. Yes. That, so then, why, but why is death what happens when we draw near to God's life? Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Like, why do we, why is there this... Why is it dangerous right. to be near to God? Yeah. Well, um, so first, I think we should answer that question with um, the beginning of the Bible, that what was the what did God promise Adam and Eve would happen to them if they sinned and remained in the garden? They, they would, would die. They would die. Yeah. And so there is this idea that like a sinful person 
cannot be in God's presence and live. And we're told that at the end of Exodus as well. Like, God, let me see your glory. Let me look at your face. And God says, you cannot see my face because if you do, you'll die. And then he says, God, come down and and be among the people and lead us into the promised land at the end of Exodus. And God says, I can't because you're hard-hearted. And if I come down, everyone will die. And so like we're seeing again and again and again in the Bible uh, so far up in Genesis and and Exodus, we're shown that when unholy people come near a holy God, there's death. And so I think we need to talk about this concept of holiness in order to understand this life-death Right, Picture. it's because it's not because God's holiness isn't bad. It's so good, yeah. And that's what that's the thing. That's when like if you come to come to my presence, you'll die. That right. feels really negative. Mm-hmm. But I think I've, I've heard this version of it. And I feel like this is really helpful, at least for me. It's like how the sun. Right. So like holiness. What does holiness mean? Holiness means set apart or unique or um, separate from. Right. Like mm-hmm. separate from. And so just like the sun is unique and separate from. The rest of the planetary things in our solar system, it is unique in power. Yep. It is separate from all others in its ferocity and ferocity, like ferocity, ferocity, ferocity. and ferocity. There, you know, but potato, like, potato, potato, potato. <laughs> it's like it's unique in our solar system by its power. Yeah, and it's what gives life on Earth. It, the holiness of the right. sun is what gives us life on Earth. Yes, but if earthly things come near to the sun, they'll get burned up immediately. That's right. Not because the sun is bad. But because it's so powerful and right. good. Right. And because we don't have the proper covering, you know, the, the vessel. We don't have the spaceship. The spaceship. We don't have the technology. Come, we don't have the technology <laughs> to, to go near the sun. The six million dollars. But seriously, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like that's a really good picture because, um, okay, so if we wanted to go near the sun, what would we need? We'd need some kind of crazy vessel right? The details of which could be written down, the schematics for this ship could be written down and explained, right. and down to the very nuts Complex and bolts. Complex math to get That's us right. out of our, or- That's right. our, our orbit. And so like, what we see in Leviticus is the schematics for mm. the spaceship we need to come into God's presence. Okay. Right? So it's how do we live next to the powerful sun? Right. And, it, and I think, you know, I don't know if that's where you got it, but if you guys are uh, still kind of like scratching your head on the idea of holiness, we'll put in the description to this video a link to our friends at the Bible Project. Yes, they did. Video is they awesome. did a video on holiness that's fantastic, and so we'll link to that if you're still kind of like scratching your head. It's really helpful. So Leviticus then is the blueprints of how yes. we draw near the sun, the schematics for the spaceship <laughs> to be near God in God's right. presence. Which I really like that. I really like that. That's helpful. Because it would be really weird and boring to actually read that textbook. Oh, it would be so... Right, right yes. So if you were to go to read, like, here's how you get to the sun. Yep. And if you were just a non-expert, right. you would come into this book and be like, this is unintelligible. Why yes. am I even reading this? Uh-huh. But if you were the astronaut or the or the builder of the spaceship, if you were involved in this project and it was your life's passion to visit the sun, you would read every line... And be, just, and be enthralled. Right. You're like, oh, I never would have thought of that kind of metal alloy. <laughs> like, and the problem for a lot of us is that we don't really see ourselves as astronauts. Right. We don't see ourselves as angling for God's presence and wanting to be with him all the time. Mm-hmm. So this book doesn't feel like it applies to us because we don't really see God's holiness as something that we can't have access to. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, we don't yeah. see it. At, we see it as something that either we assume we already have and we don't need more of. Or pridefully, we say, uh, yeah, it's pride. Like, yeah. we, we don't need God's presence. Right. We're enough on our own. Which is really funny. It's like we, especially we as Christians or, you know, New Testament folk. Right. That we assume that our, that this problem is taken care of. 
that this this old system's dead and it's done because Jesus said it was. Right. Jesus is our spaceship. That Jesus is our spaceship. <laughs> I don't need to know about Leviticus. Right. Like it's like done. It was already built. Like NASA's already invented the technology. Why would I read a textbook about it that's two thousand years old? Right. It's like you know that, that doesn't work. Like this is the failed model. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, this is the model yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. made it to the moon, but not to the sun. Jesus made it to the sun. Why would I go read about the moon one? And it's because all the technology that got us to the sun is here in the craft that made it to the moon. And so we can right. understand because the, 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 the inner workings of how Jesus's death saves us is not really over explained in the New Testament. Like how blood saves us and lets us enter into God's presence right. is just not really discussed. Why? It assumes... And people and people ask that. And I, oh, this. Okay, I got to okay, talk about okay, this okay, okay, because okay. so many people talk about this idea that like, man, if 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 Jesus's blood and his death were really that important, the New Testament would spend more time talking about how it works. And it's just not. It's mentioned, but it's kind of like right, just right, like right. really quick comments where it's like. He's our atonement. He's our propitiation. You know, his shed by the shed blood of the cross, and like yeah. he he triumphed over it by the cross, and the iniquity of our sins was put on him, and that's it. We just get these little lines, and it's not the mathematics of it aren't aren't explained aren't explained. Why? Well, it's because they already had the textbook written. It's right. Leviticus. They assume, the Paul and yes. the New Testament writers assumed that you know this book. Either you're a Jew and right. you grew up reading this Bible, or or this text, right. or you live in the ancient world where sacrifice is everything. Well, maybe. Right? Maybe that one. I'm going to put a maybe on that okay. one. Because, because sacrifice in Leviticus is so different, miles and miles and miles away different from every other sacrificial system in the ancient Near East. Okay. Yes. And so I'd put an asterisk next to it. I would say... I would say if you were invited into this community, what what did you do every every time you came and fellowshiped with your brothers and sisters in Christ? They would open up the Old Testament and read it, right, along right. with some of the maybe Paul's letters and something. And so they would they would learn about how Jesus's death saved them by reading Leviticus, right. not by understanding their own sacrificial systems. Okay, then let's let's stop there. Then so how is yeah. the Bible's vision of the sacrificial system right. different from other ancient sacrificial systems? Yes. And maybe even the sacrificial system around in Jesus's day. I know one already that's different is the specificity yes. of ha- of these commands. I know if you go to any major world religion that continues to require sacrifice, even if it's just like a bunch of fruit, at, like that's when I ever yep. go to the Asian market at our yeah, oh yeah at, our, at, at downtown yeah, yeah, yeah. here, Super Cow Win. There's there's a little idol, and there's always like three tangerines or like some oranges or man, uh, oh. things. There's always an, an offering right there. There's always yeah. a sacrifice. So even if you're not offering um, animals. Animals. Yeah. Most religions of the world that still require sacrifices don't have their ver- version of the book of Leviticus. Right. You never know what the gods want. You're offering in hopes yes. that the gods won't dislike your sacrifice. Right. That is, uh, it's, so that's one of the big main differences right. is that Leviticus, we need to read it as grace because God has revealed to us how we can be in his presence, how we can be saved from our sins, which right. is something we'll unpack later. And so... Um, Here's how you yep. do it line by line. You don't have to worry. That's right. You don't have to be fretting that you always be offering more and more and more and greater and greater and greater yep. sacrifices to make sure that I like you. Mm-hmm. Here's exactly what I expect of you. And I think that helps me to understand why people sacrificed humans. Oh yeah, because uh, there. Do you know? Have you read Madeline Lengel's uh, *Wrinkle in Time*? Oh yes, yeah. She so there's like she wrote like six of them, uh-huh. and the first three are like canon, right? Like, yeah, so like, <laughs> well, yeah okay. But one of the, I think it's the fourth or the fifth one. They mess with this idea of human sacrifice mm. and the false visions of human sacrifice versus versus the Bible, the 
scripture's understanding of human yeah. sacrifice. And it's that you never know what the gods will respond to. That's right. So the bigger and the better the sacrifice, yep. the more likely the gods will act in your favor. Yep. So it might work. It might work. If you kill a, a son. You might finally or a daughter. get rain. You might finally get what you want yep. if you offer a sacrifice big enough. Right. And and both um Egypt, where they came from, and the Babylonians that surrounded them all practice human and child sacrifice. Right. Because you don't know. That's right. And so what's the most valuable thing that they can think of? Yep. Another human being. Another human being. Life for life. Yep. Right. And and so that that's one of the big main differences is that God has revealed what he requires. It's really important for us to understand Leviticus as grace, that um, God is providing us a way for our sins to be atoned for. Okay. The so, second big thing, though, yes, is um, what the like where the sacrifice goes and what it's for. And okay. so, um, in every other sacrificial system, the reason why the gods are sacrificed to is to feed them. Oh, they, they're hungry. Right, they don't. They they are dependent mm-hmm. on the worship of people to continue to survive. That's right. If you don't offer a cow, they don't eat meat that day. That's right. And okay. so, um, and so they, and so yeah, they, maybe they were hungry for human flesh, you know, in in right. human sacrifice. Maybe they're hungry for tangerines, you know, like maybe yeah. they're hungry for this. And, and so, what that yep. does too is that elevates the human's role. That's right. In the in the religious sphere, yep. like there's a symbiotic relationship between gods and humans, like yep. humans provide the gods a service, and the gods return the favor. And you would think that, well, Leviticus is humbling in yes. the sense that it's, just, it's not about you. No. You can't, God doesn't need anything. No. The sacrifices. You need You need the sacrifices. God does not. Right. So, yes. and I think we do that today too. It's like, here's, let me give, let me give God something in uh-huh. return. Let me, like, I don't want God to just save me by grace. <laughs> right. Let me, like, if I can earn it, I would feel better about it. If right. I can do enough good deeds... Then I can be saved. But yeah. at the end of the day, what does that do? That puts you in the same position of the ancient Near Eastern religions that said, well, what God needs is for me to do enough good works before his plans could be enacted in That's the world. That's right. How, like, how are these gods going to provide for us if they're hungry? Right. You know, they're going to be too tired to get out of bed and bring rain or whatever. And, uh, and so they would feed them. Uh, yeah. But here we see that who eats the lion's share of the food in Leviticus? The priests. The priests, yeah. not God. The priests. I always thought about this because they bring like food and yep. bread. I was like, do they like know the guys who make the really good meat? Oh, they're like, oh yes, yeah, Sally's here today. Finally, she makes the best oh, bread. When she does her her pan fried <laughs> grain offering, oh like, my like, god! They were described like that sounds like pancakes. Like, yeah, it does. on a griddle. Yeah, oil, flour, With oil, flour. Then on the pancake, pancakes, <laughs> and then like with salt. Yep. So like you can Ooh. make a loaf of bread really salty and yep. terrible, or not put enough salt. In. It's it's, it's, like, it's yeah. also bad. Yeah. So like they they've got to have their favorite like oh that's really funny the baker favorite. would think of that you you baker I I, I dabble I dabble I dabble in my dough yeah, you do dabble in dough <laughs> yeah and so the God and I think that the priests it, there's two things happening here one we'll get into later where that the that the priests aren't given a portion of the land with Israel they are to be sustained by the sacrificial system so it's one thing that's happening the other thing that's happening is the priests are eating the food to be a direct, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, uh, opposition, to be in direct opposition with the rest of the sacrificial system. That uh, and, and and what we see in the opening of Leviticus in this burnt offering yeah. is the burnt offering, a better word for it is a whole offering, that right, the whole thing is burnt up. Like, nothing's left. Right. And so we read that and we're like, yeah, okay, I get that one, if you're right. in that world. Right. But that's the only one that's like that. 
all the other offerings that have a point, right? Whether it's for thanksgiving or free will or sin or guilt, the priests eat some of it, or you, as the offering giver, actually get to eat some of it. Right. That you actually get to have a party there in front of the tabernacle and feed your family. And so what Leviticus is showing us is that God does not need your food, right? The sacrifice right. is not for him. The sacrifice is for you. And that's mm-hmm. why often uh, the word atonement is saying so that he may be atoned for, the person bringing the offering, to bring atonement for him, not, okay. to, not to placate God, but to atone for the sinner. Those are two different things. To give okay. a covering for the sinner, not to calm down the angry. A covering deity. from what? Like what? Yeah. Like the the, the life giving power of God. Like right. the, that that the sun the imagery. Sun. Like that's right. The sacrifice is the spaceship. Right. So if right. we were if we were to jump uh, even backwards, okay. I think into Exodus and the priestly garments. Right. Right. right that's right. a perfect analogy for our spaceship. So the the priestly garments, they are put on in such a particular way, and it says that if they're done in this particular way, then those pieces of clothing will bear the iniquity of the priest, right? Okay. So the, the iniquity that, that they have, the sin, the the, sin that they have, right. uh, there's punishment for it, right? Okay. Because God is clean, right? If you want to use clean and unclean, God is clean and sin is unclean. And so if you want to think of it like a car wash or something and uncleanliness comes into the car wash, it gets washed off. Right. right, right, And so, uh, but God is saying like, I'll put you in a clean suit, like a hazmat suit, and you can come in and your iniquity is, is, is not going to be punished or cleaned up. Okay. You know, and you with it, you right. know, because that's all you are. So you just added a word here, punishment. Yes. So so, what we, so at this point, we've said, okay, God's holiness is like the sun. It's yep. this unique, powerful, life-giving force. And the reason that we die when we come close to it is because life can have nothing to do with death. Right. In the same way. Light that, and dark. Like humans can't have anything to do with the sun because we'll get burned up. Right. And like darkness. Yeah, it's like when you, turn on, light, when you turn on a light, all the darkness goes away. They can't exist in the same space. Yeah. But you just said, and those sound kind of passive as in yes. like it happens by virtue of the nature of things. Uh-huh. But you just said something different. You said God has to punish sin, right. not just that sin's incompatible with God. Right. So is that, is that what we're seeing here too? It's like it's, Yes, it's, but it's the same thing. It's the, okay. it's the same thing. So it's not not that, and I don't, and I wouldn't call God's cleanliness passive, or God's right. holiness passive. Like when you flip, when you flip on, yeah, we flip on switch, a light switch. Something's happening, right? That's not uh, a passive action. When the action. sun is burning, it's it's emitting energy, and it's continually right. creating and pushing out energy. There's an activity happening by the nature of what the sun is, and so God too is always turned on in terms of holiness. He's right. always light. He's always good. And so whenever that uncleanliness or that sin comes near God, um, he cleans it up. Like and he right. he judges it. Because if he didn't, like he he would cease he'd have to suspend part of his sunness. Right. So part of his light. And that can't happen. Darkness cannot exist within light. Not even to right. create a little pocket provision for it. And so that's why you need these hazmat suits, right. these spaceships, right, to, to be able to go into this place because then you are like light. You are like the sun. You've been made like God, and so you can be with God. Okay, that's helpful. Okay. That's actually really helpful, I think, because what we're saying then is if God is holy, and if he's light, yep. death and darkness just can't exist by virtue of them being totally different things. But if you knowing that you're dark, if you knowing that you have death inside you want to approach the light, 
there is a way that you can bring light onto yourself. You can bring life onto yourself. And it's by killing an animal and taking from its death, taking its life onto you. Right. And what you've just described there is atonement, is this idea of um, taking someone's life onto you or somehow paying for your death or being covered over. There's so many different ways to translate that word. I think my least favorite is <laughs> at one meant. Oh, like, yeah. I've heard that's like atonement means you're made at one. Right. And I was like, I still have no idea what that yeah. means. Yeah. It, it actually could be helpful. You know, as right. long as you don't actually think it's the definition, because right. that's not how language works. Right. But um, it was <laughs> These like I was words at, sound like this word. <laughs> I was at a I was at a French restaurant, and um, we were sitting next to a very hick family yeah. who I don't think has ever been to a French restaurant before. And they you don't know. Maybe and they uh, love French for some food. reason they brought the their, their bread out. Yeah. They brought their bread out in bags. Okay. And so they hand it to the people. It's like these in these like paper bags, these long white paper bags. Hand it to the 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 guy at the head of the table, and he opens it up and pulls it out. He goes. Oh, that's why they call it a baguette, because it comes in a bag. <laughs> so that's not what we mean <laughs> at one minute. <laughs> so, so, this, joke. this actually happened. This is a real story. The, bag, the at one meant <laughs> right. is the theological version of the family saying baguette. Got it. But in a sense, it is helpful because atonement, what atonement does is it makes us like God. Because it makes us like light. It makes right. us clean like God. It makes us holy like God. It makes us pure like God. And so really what we're talking about is not necessarily a vessel that gets, you know, berated and battered right, right, and like right, takes right. all the atmospheric blunt of the sun's yeah. whatever. I don't know how astronomy works. But uh, Or gravity, yeah, apparently. It's more that, yeah, it's more, <laughs> it's more that um, we're made like the sun. That, right. Like, what could dwell alongside the sun? Uh, I don't know, like the sun, like, right. you know, if you were like it. And so at one, it makes us one with God. It makes us like God. him. And so that's why people have used that. Um, uh, I still don't love it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that, that, that explanation is yeah. more helpful than the things that I've heard. Yeah. And so um, you're covered up. That's the idea here. And, and even in, as we, as we've, back in Exodus, as we look at all the different pieces of the tabernacle, there is a covering over the mercy seat where God comes and sits. And that, that mercy seat cover the, is the, like the lid, the lid, the lid. over yeah. the Ark of the Covenant where right. God would come, his the, throne. Where the angels are touching, uh -huh. the Nazi melts the and the, Yeah, and yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> okay, yep, all these it. things, yeah. biblically true. <laughs> uh, if a Nazi comes into the presence of God, he melts. He melts. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the book of Leviticus. That's okay. the book of Leviticus. Well, that's all for our show today. <laughs> um, and so that is that, that language is kind of being riffed off of here in this idea of atonement. There's this lid covering that covers us, that we actually get to go mm -hmm. and be in the presence of God, because we're covered by the presence of God. Right. We're one with the presence of God. And the God. reason there's angels on top of it is because there was angels guarding the presence of God in That's the Garden right. of Eden yep. after Adam and Eve were right. let out. Yeah. Okay. And so atonement. So fascinating then, how so like much. I was reading a little bit ahead. So yeah. This is spoiler alert. Oh no. But in <laughs> chapter seven, one of the offerings, the priest is allowed to keep the skin of the animal. Yes, in in the whole offering. In the whole offering. In the burn yeah, offering. So he's yeah. allowed to keep the skin of the animal, which would be. Uh, which like, it's this leather, so obviously that's valuable, very valuable. But it's it's also another picture of the of, Garden of Eden, yep. <laughs> where God gives Adam and Eve the skin right. of these animals to protect them and to clothe them and yep. to cover them. I'm it's like, pretty cool. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really beautiful. <laughs> so let's see here. So we've talked about um, kind of comparing the sacrifices to others in the day that you know they're not feeding God right. or trying to guess at what He's like. They have details. 
um, about what God wants from them, and they they need the sacrifice for themselves, not for the God. And the reason is not to earn some kind of blessing from God, but to just be able to be near God, which is a blessing in itself. So we've talked about that. We've talked a little bit about atonement, which I'm sure we'll touch on as we keep going throughout Whole books this. about atonement. Yeah. So There's also a day. A day of atonement. <laughs> Yom Kippur. Yeah. Yeah. Kipper. Yom Kipper. Yom Kipper. Yom Kippers. <laughs> that's what the baguette guy. That's how um, he would say that. Yeah. And uh, and so, man, we've talked so about a lot. If we're so, then let's just say, yep. I'm understanding better the concepts of sacrifice and atonement and um, holiness, and I'm even seeing like how this points us to Jesus and how it gets, let's just but let's just make it explicit. Like, yes. how does the sacrificial system? And its ability to atone for you and make you one with the God of holiness and uniqueness and power. How does that, how do we see that in Jesus? Like, how is Jesus a sacrifice? Well, okay, so first off, let's talk about it. Let's try to go as top down as we can. So on the whole, we've talked about, um, like, the book of Leviticus being revealed to us as an act of grace, that God is showing us what we need to do to be with him. So Jesus was revealed to us but not in words. He's the word made flesh, right? So he is now with us and he talked about his death. You know, he said that he's lay lay his life down as a ransom for many. He he kind of talked us through what he was going to do and then, and then acted out the the book of Leviticus on the cross. Right. And so we have to act it out. Like he, he became, became these sacrifices. sacrifices. He became the whole sacrifice. Right. He became the grain offering. Like, is that what you're saying? Like that each of I'm the saying. sacrifices, yep. he yep. becomes. Yeah, and sense. I want to talk about those individually as we come to them right. in, in later episodes. Um, but what we need to see here is that we don't have to guess whether or not a final sacrifice has been made for us because we see it in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's been revealed to us. If the book of Leviticus was already good news because we didn't have to wonder if the gods were capricious. Yes. We knew exactly what God expected. The gospel is even better news because not only do we know precisely what God requires, we also know that God has already requ- provided it. That's right. In Jesus. Yes. Which is the the cool thing, the greatest, I mean, I think some of the coolest news about um, the good news, and, and when we're looking at Leviticus, is when you read this, it just feels so overwhelmingly repetitive and monotonous. And it's supposed to, because you're supposed to get this feeling of, man, they just had to keep bringing these sacrifices, and like right. we'll read, I think it's in chapter six that the or maybe seven that the hearth is always to be burning day and night. That mm. the right, like right. the 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 kindling of the fire. the fire where you would put the burnt offering on the altar outside the tabernacle that it was always supposed to be on. Never let that sucker die. Why? Because we always need some kind of mediation, some kind right. of sacrifice, some kind of atonement. And I love that in Jesus. He said, it's finished, and it's done, and right. he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Because if you go through all the tabernacle, and you look at all the furniture in it, there's one thing that's not described in the whole sucker. A chair. A freaking chair. <laughs> there's no chairs, because, as Hebrews will tell us, the priests the have to burning. keep standing. They right. have to keep working. There's no rest in this kind of sacrificial system. It is grace, but it is one. it's a grace that has to constantly be renewed. Um, renewed. Yeah. Right. But in Jesus, we're told in 1 John that his blood continually cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he sits down. He sits down at he the sits. right hand of the Father, and it's finished. So from a, I think from like a broad perspective, that's some of the things that we should look at that, you know, and, and you can read Leviticus, if we're talking about this as an introduction, like right. you can read Leviticus in multiple different ways to see the gospel. One is through the details. 
Right. Like, man, I need a whole offering. Well, why? Well, we'll talk about that. And well, you know, so you can look at the details in that way. And then you can also look at it. So that's kind of from a positive way. Right. You can also look at it from a negative way. Like, man, I really am glad I don't have to do these kinds of sacrifices anymore. Thank God for Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. But then there's also, so that's kind of like the, I'm glad I don't have to go through the mechanics of this kind of sacrifice anymore. But then there's also the idea of the inner sacrifices and you we've kind of talked about this in a way right. where like the, our our good works that we put on the altar or our conscience or all these other right. things our guilt is is all done away with right in the final sacrifice of Jesus. We can think about like the example of Hitler, not Hitler, but the Nazi opening up the box. Oh, right, in Raiders of the Locks Ark. And like we say like okay, good people so the the common good news of our day yes. is that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Right. Not everybody believes in heaven and hell, right. but like Good people should go to heaven. Right. Bad people shouldn't. Yeah, it's like The Good Place on NBC. Right, yeah, yeah. which is awesome. It's a great show. I really, yeah. it's fascinating. But it's like, it, it, it gives you a perfect view of how people think about if there was an eternity, what it right. should look like. Right. Right. And what the book of Leviticus is saying is that actually um, nobody is good. Right. And that's better news. Yes. Because if good people went to heaven and bad people didn't, Eventually, you would find that you could never know if you're dead enough enough good works. Yeah. What the standard of good, just like the gods of the ancient day, are always changing. They're always moving around, and you never quite know if you are woke enough, right. if you're progressive enough, if yeah. you're good enough, if you're socially aware enough, if you're anti-racist enough. You can yep. never know yep. if you're living up to the capricious gods enough. Yeah. So the good news of Levit- Leviticus is says that, no, we know exactly how we can be good. And it's n- not by thinking that all good people go to heaven. It's right. by recognizing that actually nobody is good apart from atonement right. at being made one with the good. Yes. And one of the things that Jesus, and so this is, I think this is helping redeem for me Bible passages that everybody mm. talks about and says, oh yeah, Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. Right. And like, what does that mean? Like, why is that helpful to me and understand what Jesus does? He makes us one with the good life of God. Yes. He, he he does. He makes us like God. And that's and like that's that's the good news. Is that he makes yes. us like God. He makes us holy like God, unblemished like God. He, he and like when we see him, first John three two says that we'll become like him. So like we, how will we actually enter into God's presence, you know, in right. the new heavens and the new earth? Because because we will see him and we'll be made like him. Right. The sun will live with the sun. Like yes. that's that's how it will work. And unlike the Levitical system, the book of Leviticus, yep. all the sacrifices were outside of you. Yes. And the at one meant yep. the becoming one really was external to you. It was literally like a spaceship. It surrounded you for yes. a period of time. Right. But in Jesus, when he makes us one with the God of life, yeah. he lives inside of us. Right. His spirit dwells in us and we become new beings, yes. new creations one with God in his presence from the inside out. Right. The so, tabernacle is no longer something we have to go to and perform a series of rituals in order to enter into God's presence. And even then, it was just the priest who could do so. Right. Now we have become the tabernacle, and God comes and dwells in us. Right. Like, that's the gospel, is that the, the God's presence is not something we go to anymore. It's God's presence has come to us. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and as he comes to us, he makes us like him so he can continue to be with us. And then eventually we'll be with him forever because he'll make the whole world his tabernacle. Yes. Yeah. So 
So that's so that's some good Leviticus it, good news. It is. I like that. <laughs> so, um, man, this is, I'm really excited to to walk through this book. Um, I, I think we're gonna discover some really cool things. Hopefully, it'll yep. it'll help. Uh, I think it really helps us understand a large portion of our Bible. This this book it does. does. It's really a key to sacrifice, to, yeah. atonement, holiness yes. are themes that animate a lot of the conflict and tension yes. in the Bible and, and, and it helps us read our Old Testament better. I yes. think that's one of the things that you've I, I've talked about off air is how the more we study Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, yep. Number, the, yeah, the, the, be- or the Torah. Yeah, the more the I know e- my Torah. <laughs> the easier it is to understand Galatians and yes. Romans. Like I was surprised that I've been memorizing some Romans. Like right. I was surprised at how much easier I got it. Yep. And then when I try to explain it to somebody else, it's like, oh yeah, so, so you, that makes sense to you, right? They're like, I have no idea what you're right. saying. I have no idea. What, I was like, oh, I think it's because I've just been studying the Torah. The Torah. Yeah. It's really important to know our Torahs because that's what the New Testament authors were steeped in. And right. it's what the prophets were steeped in. It's what the psalmist was steeped in. It, you know, like Not that the rest of the, the Old Testament's unimportant. No, no, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were the heartbeat yes. of the people of Israel. It's the foundation. It's, it's what uh, kids would have memorized right. in their in their uh, little schools what they right. went to. You know, like this is the heartbeat. This yeah. is these are all the stories everybody would know. Right. Not everybody would know the stories about the kings. They would forget about Nehu, Jehu, Behu. <laughs> you know, the guy, yeah. those guys. But they would all. They, none of them would have forgotten the story of the Exodus, right? Or how God made the world, or yep. the Levitical system, because they would go there year after year after year. They wouldn't forgot have forgotten about. Moses standing up and saying, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah. Those are the stories that form the heart of the Hebrew people. And you see that when you read the Hebrew people's letters to their first church. Yep. So anyway, I've been I've been so blessed yeah. by continuing to study these books because it helps me read my New Testament yeah. better. So I hope this, you know, for, for everyone listening out there, I really hope this this kind of gets you excited about the book of Leviticus. I'm really excited about it. Um, we're going to be releasing devotionals for every uh, literary unit of Leviticus. I've already written them. Well done. But we'll release them uh, pretty soon, along with uh, a poetry introduction, obviously, yeah. of the book of Leviticus, which I'm so excited about. It uses you guys, the motif... playing with the light. Light, yeah, light yeah. and dark. Yeah, that's that's kind of the controlling metaphor we use, because I find that really helpful. And so um, that's going to be coming out. Uh, you can obviously follow along with everything. Um, if you you know follow at Spoken Gospel on Facebook and Instagram, or at Hey Spoken Gospel on Twitter, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Spoken Gospel. And send us emails. Send us emails. As we saw last week, yep. we will respond, and we, we want to respond. Yep. So, so info at Spoken Gospel, if you want to reach out to us about any questions you have. But um, we are, uh, we, you know, on, on our side, we're going to take a little two-week break, actually, mm-hmm. because Seth... Baby Gloria. Baby Gloria is coming in how many days? Five days. Five days. Yeah. Five days from recording. That's right. She'll already be here by, by the, the time, time this comes out. But yeah. yeah. So we, we've kind of had a front load, and then we'll back load a little bit because you're going to go on a little paternity leave. So yes. uh, good luck with that. Three kids for you. That'll be Trace. insane. So have fun with that. But anyway, we're really excited to go through Leviticus with you all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we, we super appreciate you, and uh, we hope to see you in Leviticus chapter one. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.